Dialectical Behavior Therapy was created in the 1980s by Marsha Linehan in Seattle, Washington. Today, DBT is taught all over the world. We're two therapists who believe everyone can benefit from DBT skills. I'm Kate. I'm Michelle. And And this this is is DBT and Me. Hello, guys. Hello, everyone. Happy to have you here for Q&A number 12. 12. Crazy. Nice. Like 12 months of the year. It's not quite accurate, but kind of. Yeah. 12, Q&A number 12 in the month of December. Right. That works. It works. (laughs) Though we've only been going for 11 months, but let's not. Right. Right. This is the 12th month of the year. We'll we'll figure out some way to make this work. Um, (laughs) Yes. So we have um, three listener questions, comments, I guess you could say that we're going to read for you guys today to give feedback on and all three of these came from the Facebook group and um, I apologize to some of the listeners because some of them posted these quite a while ago (laughs) and we're just now getting to them because we had so much material for our 11th Q&A. There were a couple people that I'm like, we will get to that in a while down the Next line because yeah because you guys have been so great with getting stuff to us um and some some of these there was like one comment that I don't think this person was intending for their situation to get posted on a Q&A but I thought it was so important to talk about which is our which is our last one because other people may struggle with the same thing yeah, so makes sense. yeah so All let's right. get going I'm first yes you are So it says, the comment, Hey there, Kate and Michelle. I am new to DBT and found y'all's podcast about a week ago. I have some questions about being mindful. I find that I get horribly overstimulated with lots of noise around me. I have two boys, aged eight and three, and a beagle basset puppy. As an aside, holy shit, that's a loud combo of dogs. (laughs) (laughs) You've never been around either one of them. That is a loud combo. Okay. Needless to say, my home is loud. I will get overwhelmed and overstimulated if one kid is listening to music and one kid is playing with Hot Wheels at volume 1200 while I'm cleaning, doing homework, or even not really doing anything. There is at least one being in my home that is pawing at me and just won't stop talking or demanding attention. My kids are very verbally expressive and attached. Attachment parenting is amazing, yet exhausting at times. I love that we are all so connected, yet my overstimulation manifests itself as anger. I will snap at whoever is around me and then feel lots of guilt for it very soon after. How can I experience this in a non-judgmental way while also not yelling because my kids are, well, kids? Any tips? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, Kate and I have said this a couple times on the podcast. Neither of us are parents. So, you yeah. know, and at the same time, like, even though I don't have kiddos of my own, I I can relate to living in a loud house to some degree or another. My mother-in-law lives with us. She has two little yappy dogs that bark every time I walk up the stairs. <laughs> my husband is one of those people who loves to have the TV on and watching YouTube on his phone. Like... <laughs> <laughs> so oh I like Lord. multiple different sources of sound going on. And I think I'm like you, listener. I like peace and quiet. It's very, very important to me. So, I don't know. I have a couple thoughts. First thing, though, that I think of is when you say, well, I also not yelling because my kids are well kids. Like, you're probably going to yell sometimes. Like, you're going to get frustrated. There is no cure-all for frustration. It's, it's going to happen. So, 
when it comes to mindfulness, because that's really what your question is about, I think it's going to be really important to focus on maybe more of the how pieces of mindfulness than the what pieces of mindfulness. I recently went through, um, I guess you could say kind of like a training of sorts. I went through this video series for therapists all about self-care. And basically one of the big things that was talked about in there is how a lot of times we put this pressure on ourselves to make time for self-care. To make time to go for that walk, to make time to do yoga, to make time to whatever it is, read a book. Like the the goal of self-care is to make everything else stop (laughs) so that you can do this thing to take care of yourself. And for some people, they have the time and space in their life to do that. And for other people, that's going to be a real struggle. And I'm sensing you might be more of the second. And one of the big things that they talked about, which was kind of mind-blowing for me, is that mindfulness and self-care doesn't have to be about what we are doing. You, again, if you can make that undivided time for an activity that is calming and mindful for you, I mean, great. And if you can't, you can still be mindful at any point during your day with anything that you're doing, which is something that Kate and I talked quite a bit about in the mindful mindfulness episodes, right? How can you wash dishes in a mindful way? That, that kind of a thing. Mindfulness is arguably maybe going to be a little bit harder <laughs> when there's a lot of sound going on around you if that's really overwhelming for you. And part of it might be that it's just going to be like little moments here and there throughout your day where you might just have to like, not, not like pause, right? Not stop whatever it is you're doing, but as you're doing the thing, try to take a deeper breath. (laughs) And as you're doing an activity, see if you can maybe notice something about that activity that you wouldn't otherwise. Like see if you can try to focus on one aspect of it. We talked a lot too about self-soothing with the five senses. Is there one sense that you can tune into as you're doing that activity? So I don't think this is about taking things off your plate because I don't think that's realistic. I don't think it's even about adding things onto your plate, like trying to add in a self-care activity that you could do mindfully. I think it's really about taking what is on your plate currently and just figuring out how you can, like if we think about places having food on them, how can you taste your food a little different? (laughs) Like it's the same stuff. Just how can you experience it a little bit differently as you're going through your day so that you might be able to like catch a snippet here or there of like, (sighs) some kind of release, some kind of still and calm amidst the chaos. And they may be very, very fleeting moments, but that that, maybe how mindfulness looks for you and the other thing that might be something to consider depending on what works for your life I found that this is something really important for me that I've only just recently started implementing maybe it's because I'm an introvert maybe it's because I also just really generally speaking like peace and quiet but whether you're a morning person or more of a night owl is trying to see if you can find some time just for you alone, either in the morning or at night after the kids are in bed. Uh, Does it have to be a lot of time? I mean, 15 to 30 minutes. 
longer if you can, but to have some time where you're not getting that stimulation around you may also really help to either get your day started off on a good note or to end it on a good note. That may be something else too to consider is just trying to find those moments, even if again, like you're waking up and cleaning the house or whatever it is, you got some things to do before you go to bed, you're responding to emails or something like that, but still to just have it be only you <laughs> might be helpful. So those are, those are my thoughts. Uh, what about you, Kate? I have a few. Let's see if I can get them into coherent order. <laughs> um, well, the first thing, and I don't know, maybe I say this a lot to folks, but I think a lot of people need to hear it. Your situation does sound hard. Seems mm -hmm. kind of reasonable to be kind of overwhelmed. I am a no, I'm not an introvert, and I generally like a lot of stuff. And still, when I was reading your description, I was like, oh my lord. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I just think, yeah, I think I would feel overstimulated in that environment. Uh -huh. And so, yeah. it's just a lot. So, the first thing I think about, and this is perhaps one of the first things I think about always, but honestly, just trying to be a little bit kinder to yourself, right? Um, and this is going to actually serve a couple of purposes. One is more emotional and less pragmatic, which is just, I don't know, feels nicer if you're being nicer to yourself, right? If you can validate, it's not, you're not a bad mom. You're not a sensitive person. You're not, you know, you're human, you're human and that's a lot <laughs> like going on in your environment, especially, holy shit, if you're trying to get other things accomplished, right? So mm -hmm. It's just gonna, it's, it's, you know, being nicer to yourself is a reasonable thing here because you're being overwhelmed is reasonable. Um, and it's just gonna feel better, right? If you're less of a dick to yourself. But on a more practical side, being nice to yourself means you're gonna have more bandwidth to deal with the stressful situations, right? If you think about it, if you kind of split yourself into two people, when you're shooting on yourself, you're both being bullied and you're being a bully. And that wears you down, right? If you think about being bullied, well, of course, you're going to be sort of downtrodden and less energi you know, energetic and, right, it's just all the things that come with someone shitting on you. But also being kind of that bully person to yourself, well, you're not going to want to do as much stuff for this person who you think is shit, right? <laughs> like, so you're not necessarily going to take those positive actions for yourself that you might otherwise. So emotionally it just feels nicer to be nice to yourself and also by being nicer to yourself you're actually going to up the amount of i guess i would say internal resources you have to bring into these genuinely challenging circumstances and situations so my number one thing is just validate yourself be kind to yourself recognize that feeling overstimulated makes perfect fucking sense and kind of go from there um i it's funny uh michelle when you were talking about having these moments of sort of mindful moments i was like oh that's more or less what i meant i wrote down for myself as a note mini meditations um but yeah taking a minute when you can like i don't know <laughs> i have nephews i don't have children but i have nephews and there's always that moment where they're too quiet <laughs> <laughs> but maybe taking advantage of that for just a moment before going and finding out what's going on <laughs> to just breathe a couple of times or right, just doing things to kind of tune in differently, as Michelle was saying, like you might find 
your experience of the sound of the noise stimulus changes if you change how you're engaging with it. So instead of engaging with it in a trying to block it out, trying to ignore it, trying to push through it kind of way, see what happens if you try and tune into it, bring curiosity to it. You know, what is that sound? What are the kids doing? Not only are, what are the kids doing? If you can help it, though, I also <laughs> understand that that's a perfectly reasonable way to end up thinking about it. But for these exercises, just trying to lean into the sounds rather than trying to run away from them. Not all the time, not every minute of every day. But see if that might make a bit of a shift to your perception of them. Um, oftentimes, I think, you know, nothing we get chased by the things we're trying to avoid. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so the more you try to yeah, tune out, ignore, or whatever those sounds, the, the experience of them may actually become more grating because you can't, you can't really completely ignore them or shut them out. Right. So instead doing a little bit of turning towards them uh, to be mindful of them, right. In that, um, you know, the observe and describe and, you know, as Michelle was talking about, more of the uh, how of mindfulness stuff. See, see if that might shift, yeah, shift your relationship or shift your reaction to those sounds if you, if you come at it from a different direction. Um, and my last couple of thoughts, one was, I know three is especially hard. Maybe this might be a little bit easier with the eight-year-old. And again, uh, as Michelle said, our disclaimer is we're not parents. But, you know, this might be an okay time to start showing examples of setting boundaries around things. Um, you know, so they know they can set boundaries. It's okay for you to set boundaries. That doesn't mean a bad thing. It doesn't mean they're hated or not loved. Right? All these sort of things are why boundaries are good things. Um, Michelle and I were talking a little bit before the episode, and she was talking about active and passive time, right, Michelle? Mm -hmm. That was something yeah. that you were mentioning, right? You you may, you know, I think a lot of parents and feel the need to be actively participating with their kids all the time. And there's a lot of developmental boons to having the kids be able to, you know, play independently or maybe do something, you know, sustain at eight years old. Is that old enough for sustained silent reading for a bit? <laughs> right. Just you might be able to shift, I guess, what they're doing when you might be able to concentrate some of their quiet time to a time that you can enjoy the quiet time, if that makes sense. Um, and then last but not least, you don't make mention of it. So maybe this isn't a thing at all. But if there is a partner um, or even like housemate who's willing to help or anything else, if there's another adult human in the picture of some fashion, maybe see if you can lean on that person a little bit for some breaks, right? That might be that they can take some of that weight off of you. Again, you'd be surprised at what five minutes can do. Um, yeah, it doesn't have to be take them for five hours. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it can be, please go and do, take a walk around the block so I have 10 minutes to breathe and recenter myself. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think those are my thoughts. Yeah, you're not, I don't know. I don't, mm, I don't want to put that. An amount of, ah, oh, damn it, I probably didn't need to yell at my kids. Like, that's okay, but don't don't lean into that guilt because you're only human. Mm -hmm. uh, and shitting on yourself for it will actually make it more likely to happen because you'll be more run down and, and less able to regulate your own emotions. So mm -hmm. those are kind of my thoughts there. Yep, nice. Okay, the next one says... Uh, so again, this was posted to the Facebook group. So this is a broader question to the Facebook community. But this question says, has anyone that has completed a DBT skills group found a way of keeping on top of the skills? 
My skills group is ending soon, and part of me is wondering how I'm going to stay accountable without having a group to check in with on a weekly basis. I love this. Also, because I love the intention to keep up with it. That is mm-hmm. great. Instead of being like, oh, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I've learned it. I figured it out. Off I am launched into the world. <laughs> so good intentions already, listener. Uh, but my first thought is actually look for online groups. Uh <laughs> Amusingly enough, this being posted in our Facebook group, you might actually be able to connect with someone through our mm-hmm. Facebook group uh, who might be interested in being, you know, like an accountability buddy or something like that. I'm, I haven't looked, but I feel pretty convinced that there are going to be Reddit or, you know, uh, groups based on DBT stuff, other Facebook groups, maybe other online There's communities. There's lots of other Facebook groups for are there? sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. So you might be able to find an online community where accountability, either just through posting generally to the group or through connecting with one other member, you can have kind of a buddy. That might be a way to help yourself kind of emulate that weekly check-in, but outside of the DBT group, skills group environment. And if that doesn't work, maybe you have a supportive person in your life that is willing to be an accountability buddy for that. You know, they don't have to know the skills. They don't have to be a fellow DBT-er. That was awkward. Uh, <laughs> proponents? Students? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> they don't have to know what the hell you're talking about to be able to sit there and help and like, give you a space to talk about it, I guess is what I'm saying, right? So if it's just somebody be like, hey, uh, you know, can I just text message you on Sundays and let you know how I've been doing on my DBT skills this week? It just helps me to be able to know that that's coming up and hold myself accountable, right? You might have somebody in your life who has nothing to do with DBT who could still kind of fulfill that role. And last but not least, just for yourself entirely in isolation, if no one else is involved, you might try setting up sort of a schedule of skills, a rotation. Um, That could be one skill at a time, like you did in class. This week I'm going to do this, this week I'm going to do that, and kind of setting it up in advance. Or you could sort of do it by module. This week I'm going to focus on my interpersonal effectiveness skills, and this week I'm going to focus on my distress tolerance skills, right? However feels best to you, but I'm I'd literally put it in my phone or put it on a physical calendar if you use it. Don't just rely on yourself to keep it in your head. That's probably asking that we already have enough shit that we keep in our heads. <laughs> I'm big on farming as much of it out as possible to other devices or spaces. Right, but I don't know. Those are my thoughts. Connect with online groups, have an accountability buddy in your life, or maybe set some sort of uh, yeah, schedule for the skills. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about you, Michelle? Yeah, I think those were, um, yeah, those are great suggestions. And now that I'm, you know, we're reading back and talking about this again, I do remember that when this listener posted this question, I think I had commented suggesting something pretty similar, which was like kind of picking, yeah, quote unquote, a skill of the week. Yes. You know, oh, yeah. No, I, I definitely stole that from your comment. 100%. Oh. <laughs> not not the skill, not the groups bit, but the like schedule your skills. I uh-huh. did read your comment and I shamelessly stole that. <laughs> <laughs> well, great. We're on the same page then. Um Because, yeah, I mean, it can be helpful to look ahead and be like, what do I have coming up this week and what skill or skills might I need to draw on? Oh, I like that. Like catering it to the week, to the events Mm -hmm. in the week. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So so that can be one way to do it. But, you know, what Kate was getting at, which is really important, is that there's lots of different ways you can structure this. And I also really agree with what you said, Kate, about, excuse me, like the, the writing it down in some way, whether that is texting someone or keeping your own diary cards or if you have a journal or whatever it is writing things down helps us 
be more likely to do them and helps us remember more likely than if we just try to keep it all in our heads. So, so those are some good things. The other thing too, that, you know, even though your question is really around, like, how do you keep on top of the skills? Um, you know, yes, your group is ending. There's not going to be any more group meetings like there were and that kind of a thing, but there's endings and then there's transitions. And I'm of the belief that most things in life are transitions. Because yes, there are certainly sometimes things in life where it is truly over. You are never going to see that person ever again. You are never going to go to that place ever again. <laughs> and it's done. I mean, those those things happen. And also, there are lots of things in life where if we decide to go back and revisit or keep something from that experience going, we can. Um, and Kate was giving great suggestions for that in terms of like having an accountability buddy. That could even be someone from your skills group that you already know. Mm -hmm. If that would like help, help too. Um, or that can be that, you know, depending on if your DBT instructor, therapist is open to it, maybe emailing them once a month or once every other month just to be like, hey, I just want to like let you know how I'm doing with the skills and it's helpful for me to again have that accountability where I'm sharing it with someone else and not just doing this in isolation. You know, there are lots of things where we think that a goodbye is forever and it's not. <laughs> again, sometimes, sure, it is. And other times we can be surprised about how, oh, I never thought I would see this person again and here they are. <laughs> or I never thought I would have an opportunity to do that again, but I do. You know, if you decide to join another skills group in the future, you always can. You know, there's DBT going on <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> uh, we don't know what part of the world you're in. Some places it's more accessible than others. But my hope would be that if you have the means to join a group once, you could join a group again down the line if you decide to do so. So this definitely isn't goodbye <laughs> to DBT or goodbye to being part of a group, even though you may not experience this group exactly as it was again, that there's going to be opportunities for you to, yeah, keep DBT in your life on a regular basis and to have community around DBT, which I think is so important. And again, to be able to like do a group again, if you want to down the line, and it's totally normal to be worried about how you're going to do when you lose a supportive system, which it sounds like this group has been for you. It's normal to feel sadness around that. And it's, it's a loss. So it's normal to have all of those emotions come up of like, Oh my God, now what am I going to do? <laughs> completely, completely, completely normal. And, um, yeah, as, as Kate was just saying, there's, there's so much out there to help you keep DBT as a part of your life and to help you not do it in isolation either if you really want community and support around it. Nice. Excuse me, of course I would yawn right when it was going to be time to be my thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, all right. Brief aside, that has nothing to do with anything. But I've been using this new app recently, and it's so funny. I love being able to talk about these things, but I'm always scared it'll sound like an endorsement of like some sort of weird official capacity, which is not. <laughs> but it's called Rise, and it just like basically you put in your sleep when you when you fall asleep and when you wake up, or I mean, it tracks it by 
your phone movement. So, like, if you're one of those people that's on your phone right until bed and picks up your phone first thing in the morning, it'll have the times right. But otherwise, you can change it to be more accurate. Um, but one of the cool things it does is it tracks out your energy peaks and dips through the day based on your sleep. Oh, and wow. I make so much more sense to myself now. Like, I, I've always felt so guilty because, generally speaking, clients that I see, I don't know, in my one, two, three o'clock sort of spots in the day, I yawn. That's me too. What? I'm and reaching I'm... my dip right now as we're doing this. Yes, me too. I've been yawning through the whole episode. And I'm always, thankfully, my clients, well, they all get to know me. They know I'm not, it's not a commentary on them. I'm not bored with them or anything else. But it's just really cool because it gives you a little alert like, hey, your afternoon dip starts at blankety blank time. Right? And it, anyway, I just find it very informative. So mm-hmm. if anybody yeah. else is curious about, why they get tired at certain times in the middle of the day <laughs> and maybe you want to be able to predict when that is so you can schedule around it i have enjoyed this app so there you that's go. really cool i also randomly on sleep which has nothing to do with the final list zero that we're talking nothing, about either nothing to do nothing. with it um yeah there's certain uh how do they say it like sleep archetypes like a, oh. a dolphin, a bear. Uh, I can't. I can't remember all of them. There's four animals, and one is just like, essentially, you're tired all the time. I think it was, but I am totally one of those people. I'm such a morning person, oh, and basically, yeah. there's a sleep archetype where, like, when the sun starts to rise, that's your best time. Yeah, is around sunrise, and then more or less after lunch you are going to dip and you're going to want to go to bed early. Yep. And that is me to a T with how I generally operate <laughs> with sleep. So uh, that is very yeah. me too. Like I'd rather be up for hours before work starts and do like a bunch of chores and other tasks uh-huh. and things in the morning before work than yep. I am to ever want to do them after work. <laughs> yes. Yes. That is me too. We're probably the same sleep. We're archetype. probably. Oh, maybe that's why we have the same brain. The... <laughs> anyway, I apologize to everyone for the diversion. I was just yawning and it made me think of it. So, <laughs> you're not boring listeners. I promise. <laughs> So, the last one says, I did stop yesterday, and for those who need a just a little quick reminder or haven't gotten there yet, the stop skill from DBT stands for stop, take a step back, observe, and proceed mindfully. Um, anyway, so the person says, I did stop yesterday, and it did not go well. They wanted my help. I think it was their family. Um, they wanted my help, and it turned into an argument, so I said... I am going to my room. They reacted poorly to this. In my family, you shouted out. And so I explained further that I needed to calm down. My mother ignored me for hours, and I returned to the lounge area, and dinner was strained, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, listener, I just, I felt for you when I read this. Yeah. And I wanted to include it in this Q&A episode because I think it speaks to a couple different things. One thing that I think it speaks to is that I just, I have so much gratitude when people share that they try to skill and it flopped like it didn't it didn't go how they wanted it to go and they had a struggle with it i so appreciate when people share really vulnerably about that like i tried this thing and it was hard and it didn't have the outcome that i wanted (laughs) yeah so i just appreciate when people share that about any of the dbt skills and so that really stood out to me and then the other thing that stood out to me is which is mainly what i'm going to respond and say here is that people around us don't like change. They don't. 
Um, especially family dynamics that have been very ingrained for a long time. You mentioned your mother <laughs> being a piece of this puzzle, someone who was present when this was going on. And if you have this dynamic in your family, like you say, where in your family it's more common to get loud, to shout, to argue, that kind of a dynamic, and then somebody responds with calm or just doesn't respond really at all, Mm-hmm. This, this is bucking the system and people don't like it. And so when we use DBT skills too, this happens sometimes where people more or less kind of do this double take of like, what? Like what, what's happening? Like something's different here. They can't always put their finger on it, but because you are different and you're trying out this skill, they recognize that something is shifting and something is changing and ugh, they they didn't give that permission to happen. <laughs> they, they weren't expecting things to be different on this occasion. And here you are trying out a skill to do something different. So when this happens, yes, there can be times and certain DBT skills where absolutely what happens when things don't go well is because, um, and Kate and I, I think, encounter this in groups sometimes when people are sharing about their homework or things like that. They are sharing that they, you know, oh, I use this skill. And then they start talking through it. And maybe Kate or I are sitting there and we're like, ooh, you missed like three of the letters. And <laughs> ooh, that's not the situation for that skill. Ugh. Okay, maybe that's why it didn't go very well. Is because kind of the person more or less didn't use the skill by the letter, as DBT sometimes puts it. They missed some things. Stop as a skill, generally speaking, is not that way. Stop is, as I think I said in the episode, it's a it's a short and sweet DBT skill. Mm-hmm. Um, stop is one that you know. There's four letters, but my guess is it's it's not a really complex skill. You probably did the skill quite well, and that really why it didn't work is because the people around you. We're expecting you to maybe have the same old response like you normally would to be part of the dynamic like you were for all these years. And you made a different choice (laughs) that they didn't like. And when people do things differently around us, we can really feel this lack of control. Um, Because no matter how much we'd like to think maybe we can, we can't control other people. And especially we can't control other people when that other person is essentially choosing to walk away or lead the situation. Well, we can't do anything if that person won't engage with us. And the whole point of stop is to end that engagement because that engagement is not probably a healthy one. And so that you can step away and come back in a more centered place and maybe able to engage healthier. (laughs) But if people around you don't want you to disengage in the first place, they're gonna have a reaction. And as you said in what you wrote, the reaction can be that they might ignore you to, I don't know, quote unquote, get back at you or to show, well, I don't have to engage with you either. <laughs> you know, you're not going to engage with me. I'm not going to engage with you. But to try and to take set... their power back to, in a sense, like if they feel like you stole yes. their power. Yeah. Yes, exactly. It's all about that. A lot of the times <laughs> is, you know, I wanted to say something to you, but you chose to step back. And so now when you want to say something to me, too bad, you don't get to. Uh, That can be underlying it. 
So overall, of course, Kate and I were not there. We were not flies on the wall to see how this all played out with you and your family and whether you, quote unquote, used the skill correctly or whether it was you or them or anything like that. And also, listener, my guess just by reading what you wrote is that because they had some kind of a reaction that you did the skill right. <laughs> that maybe sounds really weird. No, I totally but, agree. It just sounds yeah, kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, like because they changed towards you, it means that they noticed that you did something different. And so even if those were not pleasant changes to experience on your part, it doesn't feel good to be ignored and have a strained dinner. None of that feels good. Hey, you did something in the right direction because you enacted a change within your family dynamic. <laughs> that is tough, tough work to do. Because we've said it, I don't even know how many times on the podcast, family stuff is the hardest stuff. And you did this with your family. So good for you, listener. Um, I think you did a great job, is what all Ed was saying. <laughs> I like it. Um Michelle covered a lot of stuff that I would want to, so my response will probably be a little bit shorter. Not like you didn't like not stuff I wrote down. Just I, think I was going to say a lot I've of tried things. to no. do very well of not stealing your answers ever no. since that time on that Q and A episode when that I did. So funny. Uh, <laughs> no, you didn't steal anything. Just I think you summed up a lot of really good points. Um, but one of the things I think I commented sort of along those lines in the group, but just for anybody in a similar situation and to just reiterate to this listener who posted in the first place, I think, I don't know, I, you, you say in the, in the comment, it did not go well. And I, I think I totally get what you mean as in it did the, the effect on the room around you or the other people in the circumstance was unpleasant, um, which may be different than, well, probably is different than you were hoping. Um, but I would like to say that sort of moving forward, if at all possible, try and judge how using a skill went by how it worked for you, the impact it had on your mood, the impact it had on your emotion regulation, right? Like, what did it do for you? not how did the people around you respond to it, right? This might, this, this varies a little bit with, you know, um, interpersonal effectiveness skills because ideally those are involving how people around us react to us. So there's more of, of, a, of a, I guess, a flavor of having to care about the responses of others when you're using interpersonal effectiveness skills. But for a lot of the emotion regulation or distress tolerance skills, I would say look to yourself for whether you count that skill usage as having been a success or a failure, going well or going poorly, for all of the reasons that Michelle said. <laughs> <laughs> right? That we can't control other people, that people are often threatened by changes in us, you know, because if we change, necessarily the dynamic will have to change, and that can be scary or threatening or anger inducing or all these other things, right? So sometimes, and again, I think, Michelle, you kind of touched on this on the, since they reacted, you probably did it well. Uh, like, sometimes people reacting poorly, quote unquote, can even be a thumbs up to you using a skill well, right? Mm -hmm. So I would just say, if you're not doing this already, try and shift your perspective a little bit to how, how was it for you, right? Like when you went to your room to calm down, did you? Right? Were you able to calm down? Were you able to be recentered? Were you able to come back to the situation with a more wise mind, mindful kind of approach? If so, double fucking thumbs up. 
right? That is the thing that matters because that skill is you using it for yourself. And we can't, we can't control other people and we're not responsible for them or their feelings, which is very close to a lot of stuff you said, Michelle, but just a slight, Mm -hmm. slight shift in something I really want to emphasize is they're going to have their feels, whatever their feels are. And you're not responsible for that. Um, In an earlier episode that we recorded, I was talking a little bit about the difference between cause and responsibility. And I think this is a really good place to, kind of illustrate that you may be the cause of their reactions right you did a thing differently and that caused their responses but that doesn't make you responsible for their responses right Mm -hmm. that's still on them to choose how to respond or even if they you know can't choose what their emotions are how they act out those emotional responses right these these are things that are on them right You're not responsible for your mom ignoring you for hours, even if your behavior caused that chain of events, right? That is not a thing you need to take on or blame yourself for or feel guilty about. So, yeah, those are kind of my two thoughts is judge judge those skills by how they work for you, the impact they have on you. Uh, And remember that you're not not responsible for the feelings of others. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah. I had just another like really, really, really short random thought come up while you were talking, which yes, is please. to to think about how would the series of events, how, how might the series of events had played out if you hadn't used the DBT skill? Oh, yeah. So if you hadn't, in this case, this listener, you stop. So if you hadn't, you stop. If you had just done the usual song and dance, <laughs> what would have happened? How would, you know, to emphasize Kate's point, how would you have felt at the end of the day when you went home (laughs) versus how maybe Uh you felt that you at least tried to use a skill and tried to do something different and have this shift occur. So that's something, you know, that I think could be applied to anyone who's trying out DPT skills (laughs) is when you do the skill and it doesn't have the outcome you were hoping for. Well, what would the outcome have been if I hadn't even tried at all? And would that have actually been any better? <laughs> it might have been for myself. <laughs> yeah, for myself, right? It might have been more expected. It might have been more what I'm used to. But, you know, doing the same thing over and over again, especially if I've recognized it's not working for me for some reason, hey, just trying this skill might have created a different outcome where I can feel a little bit better about my role in it and my choices in it than if I had just done things business as usual. I like it. Yeah, cool. Okay, so that concludes this Q&A episode. And if you have questions for us, just, I don't know. We've gotten some lovely emails recently. Um, just none with Q&A. Oh, Q&A yeah, content. the thank you stuff. Yeah, it we've got some too self-congratulatory to read those out loud. <laughs> yes, we don't read those out loud. Um, we just read those ourselves. And then oftentimes one of us will text each other and be like, did you see this nice email from this listener? Um, so whether it's with Q&A content or other stuff, <laughs> keep emailing us at dbtandmepodcast at gmail.com and keep posting stuff in the Facebook group as well like these listeners did because, again, then you can get responses from lots of people in our community. Yeah. Okay. And see you later. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Bye, everyone. Bye.
To learn more about us and the DBT skills we're teaching each week, join our Facebook group. Simply log in to your Facebook profile and search for DBT and Me Podcast.